I'm Autumn Lockett. And this is Mitch Randall. And you're listening to Good Faith Weekly. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. And on this episode, Autumn and I are going to catch up, plus talk about the launch of Good Faith Media. We're also going to be interviewing the Baptist News Global Executive Director and Editor, Mark Wingfield, as well as the Executive Director for the Baptist Joint Committee in Washington, D.C., Amanda Tyler. Along with those two organizations and Good Faith Media, we've just launched Faith Freedom 2020, and you'll want to stay tuned and hear more about that interview. Autumn, how are you doing this week? Five, four, three, two, one. We have liftoff! <laughs> we do have liftoff. It was an exciting Wednesday on July the 1st as Good yeah. Faith Media officially launched. Uh, you can you can check us out at goodfaithmedia.org. Uh, lots going on at our website, and it was it was a good day. Golly, it uh, yeah. seems like it's taken a long journey to get here. This conversation actually began a year and a half ago in San Antonio, Texas, as uh, uh, Nurturing Faith and Ethics Daily began the conversation about potential collaboration, which ended up in this combination of our two organizations, now known as Good Faith Media. Yeah. It's been so exciting to see all the preparation really come together, and we're just excited to be able to share um, this joint effort through our new beautiful website, the Faith Labs designed for us. I know, and it is such a robust uh, website. There's the news and opinion section, there's the videos and podcast section, there's uh, the books and journal section where you can purchase our latest uh, publications by a variety of authors. You can also subscribe to our journal, which is a bi-monthly publication filled with uh, filled with wonderful new articles, each and every publication by some great, great uh, theologians and historians and pastors and clergy and lay people. It's just really, really, really a good publication. So I would uh, encourage our listeners to subscribe. And then, of course, our experiences with Bruce Gorley uh, going to Yellowstone National Park, Glacier National Park. I even think we're going to Hawaii this next year. Ooh, aloha. Yeah, aloha. That's exactly right. So uh, lots of lots of great stuff that you'll find at goodfaithmedia.org. We're really, really excited about the new website. So make certain you check it out. Are you worried that COVID-19 is going to put off your plans for theological education? The Baptist Seminary of Kentucky is offering a full schedule online this fall. Our approach to online education is unique, offering classes live and face-to-face via Zoom. At BSK, relationship is critical, and we are thrilled to be able to offer our Master of Divinity, Pastoral Care Certificate, and Rural Ministry Certificate this way. Learn more at bsk.edu. So Autumn, are you going to be celebrating the 4th of July this year? Um, yes, I'm going to be celebrating the 4th of July, socially distanced. We are going to my husband's family's house mm-hmm. and they live kind of out in the middle of nowhere and it's just us and the cows and just going to have some family time. Well, good. Well, that sounds like a delightful time. We're staying around here, uh, really close, uh, stay close to home, watch some movies, eat some burgers, uh, maybe, shoot off a sparkler or two and, uh, and celebrate, uh, independence day. So, 
So yeah, I hope everybody out there stays safe during this 4th of July. Please, please, if you're going outside, wear a mask, uh, practice social distancing. The numbers continue to spike, especially in California, Texas, Florida. Just heard this morning uh, that Florida reported 10,000 new cases uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. which is just remarkable. I just, I just can't imagine yep. those, those kind of numbers. So, so please, people, be safe and be smart. Stay tuned for our interview with Mark Wingfield and Amanda Tyler as we talk about Faith Freedom 2020. Ethics Daily and Nurturing Faith are coming together and joining forces to launch Good Faith Media. Is that not exciting? I am pumped. I'm so excited. We've been planning this and scheming and dreaming, and it's finally coming to fruition. We're really excited to roll out the new website, uh, hoping that everybody will get a chance to log on to goodfaithmedia.org. Uh, starting July the 1st. But uh, there's also something we want to invite uh, a lot of our good friends to be a part of, and that is the Good Faith 50. So, Autumn, tell us a little bit about the Good Faith 50. The Good Faith 50 is a group of our friends who want to support us. And our goal is to grow our monthly members, so our our folks who donate to the mission of Good Faith Media, which is to provide resources and reflection at the intersection of faith and culture through an inclusive Christian lens, we want to invite the people who believe in that mission to become monthly donors. And our goal in July and August is to grow our monthly donors by 50. That is absolutely awesome. We welcome anybody who wants to be a part of the Good Faith crew in the months of July and August. And all they need to do is go to goodfaithmedia.org, hit the donate button, and then select to become part of the Good Faith 50 and a monthly donor at any level. And we would love to hear from you. And we appreciate, as always, your support. Your contribution helps us publish new articles each and every day. It also helps us uh, produce short documentaries and allows us to cover stories across the country. It helps us publish more books and provide more experiences for more people of faith. We are trying to advance a faith that is inclusive for all, providing justice for all and freedom for all. So make certain you sign up on Good Faith 50 at goodfaithmedia.org. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly, and in this week's episode, we have two very special guests with us today, Mark Wingfield from Baptist News Global and Amanda Tyler from the Baptist Joint Committee in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly, both of you. Thanks for having me. Hello. Mark, so you started a new gig this week. Congratulations. You're now the executive director and publisher for Baptist News Global. Tell us a little bit about uh, moving from the local congregational ministry to this position for Baptist News Global and your, fu- and your future vision for this organization. You're sure. Thanks so much for the question. So I was a journalist for 21 years before I became a pastor for almost 17 years and never thought I would be a journalist again. And yet here I am uh, with this interesting third act of a career uh, that's been presented to me. And I'm very excited about it. Uh, I I think having been a pastor for this period of time with the journalism training is making me, I believe, a better journalist on this side around because of the pastoral experience and combining those two things. So I'm very excited about the future 
for our national nonprofit news service that is trusted by so many people. And we're glad to be in partnership uh, with all of you too. Good. Great. Well, congratulations again. Yeah, absolutely. So it seems like 2020 has just been, you know, a year that we're all going to remember. And two of the major headlines that continue to prevail are about not only the pandemic, which we've spoken about, but also this kind of national conversation about race, um, finally. So can you tell us a little bit about how each of your organizations are addressing these issues right now? Yeah, well, I'll I'll lead off. I I do think that these are defining moments for 2020, and um, I think for the foreseeable future, really, in both in both areas. When the pandemic was declared in March, um, BJC was faced with almost immediately with really novel questions of law. Um, when you see these huge stay-at-home directives and other things that force the, the closure of sanctuaries across the country, um, there were questions that came up about how that intersected with our First Amendment freedoms. Um, we've never seen the government force the closure of churches on such a wide scale. And so um, having to kind of go through those on a on a quick basis and provide some analysis. We've seen one of those cases go all the way up to the Supreme Court. And so we have some idea um, of how the court might view that, but those are still unfolding legal questions and ones that we are here to help respond to. Uh, another issue that came up, again, never before seen anything quite so on such a big scale where the um, PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, and for the first time there was an opportunity for churches along with other nonprofit organizations to get an emergency forgivable loan to help keep their um, staffs, including pastoral staff, but also child care center staff and other staff employed during a time of, um, you know, mass unemployment in this country. And so helping to um, advise uh, and analyze things on a quick basis, we really needed to pivot some of our our resources in that direction. And then the national reckoning with race and racial justice, it's a topic that BJC has been working on really for the last number of years. And But this, this moment has just shown how urgent it is that we respond, that we see that we won't have faith freedom for all without racial justice, that we see how faith freedom intersects with human freedom, um, that we see how race and religious liberty interact. And so B BJC, um, we had a, a national conversation last week on white supremacy in American Christianity. It's a program we actually had planned many months ago, um, but it was one that uh, we had a lot more inter people interested in coming and had our, our largest annual luncheon ever um, because we were able to have it in a virtual space and on a topic that I think people are, are really interested in learning more about. So that wasn't just one moment in time, uh, but I think we'll continue to see a focus of our programming for months to come. And Amanda, that part, that uh, program that was part of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's Virtual General Assembly, uh, is that online for people to view? 
Yes, it is. We um, have it on our YouTube channel and I can certainly uh, send you links to put in the show notes and um, we can direct uh, people to to watch that national conversation um, and learn more about uh, BJC's work. And I I hope we'll get into um, in this conversation work about uh, that we're doing to combat Christian nationalism around our movement, Christians Against Christian Nationalism. Good. Well, this is Mark. I want to jump in and commend Amanda and BJC staff for an excellent event last week. Uh, I just want you to know I brought my own rubber chicken and single stalk of broccoli to the luncheon uh, this year. <laughs> to All make I it was, official, yes. I, that, that was it. All I was missing was the cheesecake or something like that, which is usually <laughs> the best part of the meal. Uh, so <laughs> congratulations on, on a good event uh, with Thank that. Thank you. For B&G's part, um, the challenge right now is that there's so much to be said mm-hmm. that's so urgent. How do we sort through? How do we prioritize? All of our columnists want to talk about the same things uh, right. right now. And how do we make sure that we're not saying the same thing over and over again and we're getting different perspectives on this? Uh, and how do we take a global view so that we can look at how these things are all connected to each other? It's not just one issue. There's two or three or four issues, and as each of you has already said, there is a thread that ties them together. These do not happen in isolation. And so if we're doing our job well, I think we somehow knit together uh, that so that you can see that it's not only the issue, but it's the context that matters Mm -hmm. to that. I think that's something we can bring to that. A side note to that is that I'm working really hard. Uh, We have a wonderful stable of contributors to B&G, but I'm working very hard right now to expand the diversity of that group, not only racially, but uh, in gender and in age and geography as well, because it's very easy for us in CBF life in particular to hear from people in Texas and the East Coast, and we forget that there's a whole Western United States uh, that has an important perspective for us as well. Sorry, Mark, I'm not a journalist, um, but you said you know, you have people who are wanting to say the same thing. Um, is there any value to just saying the same thing, but louder for the racist in the back of the room? <laughs> so I think uh, <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, I think the only way that that's true in our current age is it, if someone has a different audience. Mm-hmm. And so even this podcast that we're doing is leveraged on the ability of other people to share it with their spheres of influence. Mm -hmm. And so all the messages that we put out, if I write something, I have a following and I can amplify that to my following. Mm -hmm. I'm seeking columnists right now who will have an audience uh, that they can also amplify that to. And I think that's where the difference is because someone might listen to me who wouldn't listen to you or someone might listen to you who wouldn't listen to me. Yeah. yeah. And, and I do want to get to the question about, uh, Amanda brought it up just a moment ago about Christians against Christian nationalism. Before I do that, this question is for both of you. Uh, and, and Mark, I know that you have uh, only been on the job for a couple of days now, um, but I'm certain you have faced this on the local church level as well. And we get it here at Good Faith Media. When we engage issues such as racial justice, systemic racism, um, uh, overt racism, and covert racism uh, in culture, there's always a tendency by some to push back on the amount of coverage that we give these particular issues. And the pushback is always, are you going to provide a counter argument? And Mm -hmm. 
my question about that is how do you provide a counter argument to racism? So first thing, uh, there is not always, there are not always two sides to every story. Mm-hmm. Uh, as journalists, we're trained that you need to say A, and then you need to give the opposing B. And one of the problems in our American society right now is the media, rightfully, because of the way we were trained, has sought always to say, so-and-so said this, but on the other hand, someone said this. Well, if the, if the counterweight to this is to say that, no, the sky's not really blue, it's red, we don't need to be giving that the same weight because it's factually not true. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but this, this need for balance has caused us to propel some wacky ideas to give them credence, right? So one of the ways this is playing out for me right now, I have dealt with this just this week, uh, is as I'm transitioning from this pastoral role where you're responsive to a congregation, uh, in a sense, and now in a journalistic role, I'm responsible in a different way. So one of the first things to pop out of the box this week is this story about Baylor University uh, having a reckoning about the racist heritage that they share. Uh, and so we put out a story about that, and I'm immediately fielding questions that are asking, well, what if what if your story causes a riot on campus? What if your story causes someone to deface a statue on campus? Don't you want to prevent that from happening? To which I have to say, that's not my problem. Right. You know, my my job now is to tell the story and let people decide not to be reckless about it, but also not to be the pastor who's trying to keep peace in the church. Sure. Yeah. And that's a great answer. And I mean, Amanda, I don't know if you got any kickback with the Christians against Christian nationalism or not. Well, yes, we did. Um, and certainly at the time when we uh, launched it, which in my mind shows that we're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I would be more concerned if we didn't have any pushback to what we're doing. It means that what we're doing is probably not that necessary in the world. Um, and yet we are really countering a very strong and pervasive narrative. You know, I, I think that's a really interesting question. Of course, I'm not in the journalism space, but my response is if, are you giving too much air to this? I'd say no, because we're countering a narrative that's been pervasive, a, a white centered narrative that's been pervasive for our entire history. I think it's time to raise other viewpoints that we have a more diverse, um, you know, table that we're bringing new and different perspectives to the way that we think about and talk about religious liberty, that that's not a threat to our protection of religious liberty. It will strengthen our resolve. It will strengthen our protection for it. The more people from different points of view that we have standing up for our freedom. And Amanda, you mentioned a moment ago, and to continue this conversation about Christians against Christian nationalism, BJC took the lead in building a a collaborate effort, uh, and uh, Ethics Daily was part of that, and and BNG was part of that uh, effort to call attention to uh, the evils of Christian nationalism, the mythology of Christian nationalism with the campaign Christians Against Christian Nationalism. Can you speak a little bit to, to that? Why? why it was you felt so compelled as an organization to take this stand and how has it been playing out because it seems to be very germane in our our context today yeah so it was over a year ago um, that we at bjc uh, really started to notice that 
the Christian nationalism seemed to be on the rise. Uh, Christian nationalism is not new. It has been around for decades, really for centuries. Um, but that in, um, in where we were, again, more than a year ago, there were just more and more instances of it. And there seemed to be a need for people of faith and particularly Christians to provide a counter um, to Christian nationalism, to take a strong stand and say, this is not Christianity. This is not who I am. Um, this is harmful to my faith, but it's also harmful to our unity as Americans. And so um, we worked, yes, with Ethics Daily, with BNG, with a number of um, other religious Christian groups and leaders who shared our concerns and we worked first on a statement of principles um, that really were an outline of a robust religious freedom for all, um, because we think the best antidote to the poison of Christian nationalism is an expansive protection of faith freedom for all. And so um, this list of principles uh, included a lot of kind of standard BJC talking points, um, the, the kinds of principles that we've been standing up for for, for decades, which is why we felt like this was clearly um, in within our mission and our work to do. So we launched last July um, and saw a very quick response uh, from a diverse, um, nation, nationally diverse and diverse from a perspective of different religious denominations. Uh, thousands of Christians signed um, the statement. And it is still online and available for signing at ChristiansAgainstChristianNationalism.org. And, um, you know, I will just say, uh, you know, usually I, I get the question, well, what is Christian nationalism? Right. Uh, unfortunately, this isn't a term that is in common parlance. I think that is something we'd certainly want, though, I think because I think we can recognize examples of Christian nationalism, but they're not always labeled as such. Mm -hmm. And so um, just to provide a working definition, Christian nationalism is a political ideology and a cultural framework that seeks to merge Christian and American identities. So it mm -hmm. says if, if you're a real American, then you're Christian. Or if you're a real Christian, you're American. It tries to um, kind of cast American history in a providential light um, that God shows special favor for America, that everything has worked um, in America to God's plan. It merges um, political and religious leadership. Um, I think an excellent example in real life of Christian nationalism is what Mark already referred to um, in the Freedom Sunday display at First Baptist Dallas this past Sunday when you see American flags waving um, in the sanctuary and patriotic songs. And, and there's a, a, a sense um, that your Christian identity is the same as your American identity. Um, and so... Uh, I, you know, we could, we could talk all day about Christian nationalism and all the examples that mm -hmm. we see, but I think that you are right, Mitch, that, um, that this is particularly relevant to our current time. Um, and, you know, so I'm grateful for this continued movement and I, um, we have plans to continue to grow it because I think that having a strong response to Christian nationalism is really important, um, in this pivotal year. You know, in the midst of uh, this social upheaval, and rightly so, uh, in response to uh, George Floyd's death, uh, Breonna Taylor, um, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, and so many others, um, 
We're trying to come to grips with our national origins, uh, our origins as a country. And, you know, speaking of Christian nationalism, you know, there's been this mythology for so long that America was founded as a quote unquote Christian nation. And the conversations that I'm starting to hear emerge around the water coolers in this era have been very unique, trying to come to grips even with that mythology, comparing it to reality. And one of the realities that seems to be gaining a lot more momentum in this conversation is that America, not only in its constitutional birth, but in its colonial birth, was built upon this white male supremacy in religion and in government. And we see that with the Puritans coming over here to this country, uh, in Massachusetts Bay, in Jamestown. Uh, the laws, the churches were all run by white males. The theological convictions were, um, were developed and then enacted at the behest of white males at the founding of the country constitutionally uh, in the, the 18th century. We have a constitution formed that is for white males. Women weren't included in it. Native Americans weren't included in it. African Americans weren't even considered human uh, to be included in the constitution. So this, this wane of mythology and reality is an interesting conversation, I think, that's taking place right now in the country. Would you say that we're coming to grips with who we are as a people, and do you see anything changing because of those realities? Yeah, I think people, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope that we're coming to grips, and I certainly hope things will change. Um, but I, I do think it means taking a more honest look at our history um, and having a more inclusive look at our history. And it, in the same way um, that Americans are taking a more critical look at our history of our country and places where, um, you know, non-white voices were kind of erased from our telling of history. I think that we are, can, can do the same thing when we look at religious freedom and, and Christian nationalism, you know, Christian nationalism and racism act in many of the same ways in our country. They're so pervasive. And from the historical perspective, they both really rely on a carefully curated telling of history that's very white-centered. Um, and I'm seeing some interesting examples. Um, so, you know, just this past week, as we see, um, you know, monuments coming down, Confederate flag coming off the Mississippi state flag, um, you know, I, I saw in some of the reporting that they said the new Mississippi flag could not have any Confederate imagery, but it must have in God we trust on the flag. And so I think that we need to be careful right. that as we have a better, more inclusive look at our American history, that we don't just replace it with a turbocharged Christian nationalism. Yeah, very, very good, very good point. So I'd, I'd, I'd love to jump in and tell you how a personal story about how I think this plays out and how change can happen. 
So, uh, Mitch, you know that I grew up just up the road from where you live in Oklahoma mm-hmm. uh, in a very conservative place. Uh, my first denominational job in Baptist life was during my college years at the University of New Mexico when I was hired as the assistant editor of the state Baptist newspaper, the Baptist New Mexican. There was a new editor there, a guy named J.B. Fowler, who was from Texas, and he was an early mentor to me and until that, until that moment that I was working with him and I was 20 years old, having grown up in the Baptist church, I had never heard of the Baptist joint committee at that point. I had never heard of James Dunn Mm -hmm. at that point. And Dr. Fowler introduced me to the Baptist joint committee to James Dunn and to the concept of religious Liberty in a way that I never had known before and it changed my perspective on everything. And I tell you that story to say that I think for each of us who have a story to tell and have uh, resources to share, it's got to happen one at a time uh, as, as we go through and the people we know hear, hear the story that we have. And particularly as we talk to folks who are younger than us, right. to help them understand things that they may not have learned along the way, because we all know we've lived long enough now to know that there's sure a lot we weren't told along the way. And Mitch, mm-hmm. you and I have talked about this with our Oklahoma roots and uh, the, never the hearing Tulsa. about 1921 uh, race. Yeah. Massacre. No, never heard of it. Until the I was Tulsa massacre. I never heard a word about that growing up in Oklahoma mm-hmm. or any of those things. Right. And so we have an educational job to do. That's not just broad. It's also specific. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, yeah. uh, speaking of collaboration, the three, our three organizations are collaborating on a project right now. And I'm going to let Autumn ask the question and I'm going to turn from interviewer to interviewee. So Autumn, take yeah. it away. So B&G, BJC, and uh, now Good Faith Media have entered into a partnership um, that's going to highlight the critical issues that we're all facing during this election year. So there's a new website called faithfreedom2020.org, and it's going to be pulling content from all three of our websites. So what are the three of you hoping to offer at faithfreedom2020.org? Well, I'll jump in and say I'm so excited about this partnership. And as I was coming into this new new role at BNG, my number one priority was to find a way to create collaborative relationships. And I'm so thankful to uh, Mitch and Amanda and their staffs uh, for being part of this and allowing us to find a way to demonstrate collaboration uh, through this. This is a critical year, as we've already said, uh, because of the confluence of things. And it just seemed like this was a perfect way for us to share our resources, to help get the message out uh, that there's a lot of things we need to understand, as we've already said. How do we do do that? We listen to other people, we learn, we keep learning, we share. uh, And if we combine our resources, I think we're so much stronger together in that message than any one of us can be alone. And if ever there was a year when we needed collaboration to get a message out, it is this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, abs- yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I'm thrilled by this partnership as well. You know, this is BJC's singular area of focus is protecting religious freedom for all. And there is more than enough work to go around, mm-hmm. um, especially in this year. Uh, in fact, earlier this year, before the racial reckoning, before pandemic, uh, we at BJC felt like 
there were so many important religious freedom stories that were getting lost in the cacophony of the news um, between, you know, do you, do you remember this year started off with an impeachment trial? I mean, that feels like an, a decade ago right. um, or that there's uh, a major election going on this year. I mean, those those stories have now been pushed off the front page, but those were front page stories and they've all kind of made important religious freedom stories uh, kind of go down to second or third tier. And we thought it was really important that people see what was happening with these religious freedom stories and a blockbuster term at the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, you know, this past term, there are up to five Supreme Court cases that touch on religious freedom. And uh, I've already mentioned some of the novel issues of religious freedom that came up with pandemic, uh, the racial justice angle on religious liberty that I think is so crucial to our understanding and combating Christian nationalism. So with so much going on, having the great partners with Good Faith Media and BNG to help um, get this story told, to to have this um, really saturate our media market, I think is really important. And BJC is excited to play what role we can um, in, in bringing some expertise and analysis to the table. And for our part, uh, Autumn, I mean, good night. Uh, in a year that has had a global pandemic, uh, social uh, justice at the forefront, protests and marches like we've never seen before across the world, why not throw a presidential election in the middle of that uh, and see what happens? Like and, a game of Jumanji. Yeah, it, it feels a little like Jumanji these days. But to be part of a collaborative effort with BNG and BJC is a very significant, um, a very significant uh, project because it is vitally important in this year of 2020 that we unite our voices together to talk about these extremely critical issues that we are facing as a people of faith. And Amanda and her staff at BJC has done an excellent job uh, educating and fighting for religious liberty and church-state separation for over 80 years now, right, Amanda? And, That's right. And, I mean, just done a remarkable job at our nation's capital. But we also have to remember that when these decisions are rendered, whether it's by the executive branch or the legislative branch or the judicial branch, that they have ramifications. And like the court this week making the decision that legalized state funds be now allow, uh, allowed to be allocated to religious uh, for religious education. Um, well, when that decision is made, there's also some other realities attached to it as public education will now start losing more funding because of that decision. Um, you know, when we debate religious liberty, what it is and what it is not, is religious liberty a tool so that individuals or companies can discriminate against a certain people within this country? There's always results that factor into these decisions that are made as we discuss and debate religious liberty and church state separation. And so Good Faith Media is excited to be a part of not only standing beside these two great organizations, but to help perpetuate and to give voice to a message that people of faith uh, have a say in these particular issues. 
there is not just one group under the banner of Christianity that speaks for all Christians, that there is a large group of us that is very diverse and that we are giving effort to vocalizing this other perspective. And so we're excited to be a part of it. So really excited about it. The website again is faithfreedom2020.org. And it is a, a website where all three of our organizations' uh, content will be pushed to that site. So anybody who wants to uh, log on, take a look at uh, that website, you're going to be seeing some great material, both written material and podcast uh, and other uh, potential videos uh, being housed there at uh, faithfreedom2020.org. So make certain to, to log on. So Good Faith Media, our tagline is, there's more to tell. Um, I'd like to ask each of you what your more to tell is for um, the country, for Faith Freedom 2020, or for your organization. All right. Well, I'll I'll go first, I guess. Autumn, thank you so much um, for that question. I I did want to be sure, you know, this is a great podcast. And for your podcast listeners, uh, if they're looking to fill up their feed, I wanted them to be sure to know that uh, I am co-hosting a podcast with Holly Holman on the BJC podcast called Respecting Religion. And it's fantastic. um, To the point of that there's so many religious liberty stories coming out this year that's kind of the origin from that for that podcast series that we've been covering in depth um, many of these court cases that are coming out some of these novel questions of law and recently several conversations on race and religious liberty so wanted to be sure your listeners um, could know that they could also get some religious liberty specific information on respecting religion podcast um, and uh, as we've talked about earlier, the national conversation um, that we hosted last week, there, uh, the, our speaker, Robert P. Jones, has written a new book um, called White Too Long, The Legacy of White Supremacy in American Christianity. Um, so we'd love to refer your listeners to um, go and watch the conversation that we recorded last week. Um, to to buy the book. Um, I will endorse it. I read an advanced copy in preparation for our luncheon, and I think it's very provocative. And to stay tuned to uh, to BJC, bjconline.org, um, because we'll be continuing to host and lead some conversations around that book, around that topic, as we seek to do our part to dismantle white supremacy uh, in our in our culture. Wonderful. And we'll have links to all of that in our show notes as well. So um, my, my more to tell is just a plea to anyone listening. Don't stop listening. Don't stop reading. Don't stop learning. I hear so many people say today, I'm so worn out with all the news. I can't keep up with all the news. I only want good news. Tell me some good news. Okay. There's a place for good news, but to say that I'm in the midst of the upheaval that's happening in the world and in our country right now to say, I don't have to read any more of that. I don't have to listen to any of that because it wears me out is an ultimate expression of privilege. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, the people who we need to stand up for do not have the privilege to say, I'm going to tune out on the news. So please keep reading. Please keep paying attention. Please keep sharing because the conversation is the only thing that's going to save us at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us at Good Faith Weekly. Again, uh, Mark is the newly 
Installed, Executive Director and Publisher at Baptist News Global, and Amanda is Executive Director for the Baptist Joint Committee in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much to both of you for joining us at Good Faith Weekly. Thank you. Thank you.